You're listening to the Homegrown Faith Podcast. I'm Joe Clark, and I'm chatting with my fellow pastor and friend, Richard Sweatman, about God, the Bible, and life lived growing our faith in Jesus. This podcast is coming to you from Hunter Bible Church in Newcastle. Hey there, Joe. How are you going today? I'm very well, Richard. What about you? What have you been up to? Oh, I have been well, enjoying... Um, yeah, enjoying some time with the family and uh, yeah, back at work. Yeah. But I um, thought I'd share with you and the listeners about uh, something we mentioned in a podcast a few podcasts ago when I ah. shared that my desire to listen to more Christian music and the problem being that I don't <laughs> particularly like soft rock and um, EDM, electronic dance music, is the music I like to listen to a lot of the time. And yeah. so I thought I shared that I was going to look for things. I invited the listeners to uh, to share, you know, if they had any great Christian EDM. Nice. Now, nothing particularly came through on that question, but I <laughs> very briefly mentioned an interest in uh, Christian folk music and shout out to Claire from New Zealand who responded oh, very Claire. enthusiastically ah. um, with uh, at least five Christian folk artists and one extra that she was enjoying um uh, John Ogden, who's putting out some great Christian lo-fi chill stuff. So big thanks to Claire. I'm listening to those and enjoying those. Can I just start uh, clarify, what is lo-fi chill? Uh, <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, it's, it's kind of a thing where it's a, it's a, s- a fairly slow beat. Um, you might have the sort of crackle of a, a vinyl record effect in the background. Ah. Um, and sort of soft electronic atmospheric right. kind of things. Right, so, right, right. Okay, yep, got it. Uh, I recommend it, Joe. Um, But I did, by myself, manage to find some Christian EDM that I've enjoyed. So um, Nice. An artist called Capital Kings, and uh, they've put an album out called Two or II. I'm not sure how it looks uh, or how you're supposed to say it. But, um, yeah, it's uh, my my kids are mocking me for it, for listening to Christian EDM. But I'm I'm finding it's a win-win, Joe. I can listen to... Electronic dance music and the words, there's, there's not as many, obviously, as in other types of music, but the words are, um, you know, mention things about the gospel or God or the Bible, uh, mm. which are encouraging. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I reckon the takeaway message here is that uh, listening to Christian music is good, yeah. and but we're all built differently, yeah. but we're in a world now that probably regardless of your tastes in music, you could probably I find something you Christian. you could find something Interesting. That could be Christian, yeah. Because I've never warmed to anything particularly what I would perceive as mainstream Christian music. Um, I've had moments where I think maybe I should put Colin on more because everyone talks <laughs> about how they've been totally changed by Colin. But I don't yeah. have children, and it's it. You know, like I'm not particularly excited about listening to kids' music all the time. Yeah, but that's um, Colin Buchanan for this is our right. listeners who may not have uh, come across. <laughs> yeah, thank Colin. you for demystifying that. Uh, using his one name um, as if everyone knows who he is, <laughs> like Madonna. Um, anyway, but uh, yeah, I think this is a good encouragement for me. I'm. I think I might have to get into go have a look at John Ogden. Thanks, Claire, for the recommend. Some lo-fi chill. You're going to try that out? I think I will try some lo-fi chill. <laughs> I'm going to have to go Google what lo-fi chill actually is defined as because I'm going to I'm going to need to know that detail before I listen. <laughs> I can imagine you listening to Bach as your Christian music. Joe. Yeah, maybe. I do like. I'm a bit eclectic. When I find something, I listen to it again and again until you know five days later I've heard it a hundred times and then I'm over it. Yeah. So that's yeah. my zone. Yeah. Anyway, good luck with that. Oh, what about you, Joe? <laughs> well, I um, I've discovered a new world, and it's mm-hmm. it's a Lego world. 
And I thought, you know, I, I loved Lego as a child, but yeah. while I was in Brisbane visiting my brother and his wife and my niece and nephew, who are mm-hmm. both just um, primary age kids, uh, we decided to go to the Brickman Expo that's mm-hmm. running in Brisbane. Now, for anyone yeah. who doesn't know, like me, you might be thinking, <laughs> who is Brickman? Because this is the Wonders of the World Expo. So there's this guy called Ryan McNaught. And as you go around this Brickman Expo, it's a Lego Expo, you walk in and your first impression is like, whoa, there's these <laughs> wonders of the world. So it starts with the ancient wonders of the world. So um, the pyramid was particularly incredible. And it's this huge Lego pyramid. And it's got this sign at the bottom of it, took 120 hours to build, and it would have someone's name next to it. And this name kept on popping up, Ryan McNaught, Ryan McNaught, Ryan McNaught. Mm. Now, for everyone who's been watching Lego Masters, they totally know who this guy is, but I didn't because I've never watched Lego Masters. Yeah. So I was just perplexed by this guy. I was like, wow, he's a big deal in the Lego world. Like this guy must be a big deal. Turns out he's a huge deal. (laughs) So as you're walking around, the biggest one took 240 hours to build, which if you do the maths on an eight-hour workday is a a long time to build. Mm -hmm. And it was this Mm -hmm. incredible Titanic ship that had split Mm -hmm. in half and had every single detail you could potentially imagine all mm. done in Lego. It was incredible work of yeah. like engineering with Lego blocks and Lego creativity. And so I thought, okay, I've got to Google this guy. It turns out there's only 14 Lego certified professionals in the world. And only, <laughs> only one 14. in a, only 14. And and that's a big deal. You know, that's a pretty small group of people. Yeah. Um, and there's only one in the Southern Hemisphere, and it's this guy, Ryan McNaught. And essentially, I thought, okay, well, what's a Lego certified professional? Because he's called himself the Brick Man. Like, he's got his name. He's got his, his – he does these tours. He's got his team because he had a few other team, a, a woman and a few other guys who were doing this building with him. So I Googled it. I was like, right, what is this? A Lego certified professional – I'm reading from the Lego webpage here mm. – is a program made up of adult Lego entrepreneurs – to have turned their passion for Lego brick and system into a full-time or part-time profession. So essentially to get there, you have to make your living from being excellent Lego, an excellent Lego entrepreneur. And wow. I just thought, wow, he has made, yeah. he's living the dream, like literally a childhood dream. He is living that dream. Anyway, so I've done a deep dive and I would strongly recommend if you're in Brisbane, go and check it out. I really enjoyed it. And they had yeah. all these like bays where you could just sit down and play Lego. And I saw yeah. it and I thought, oh, I'm not going to do that. And then the minute <laughs> my niece and nephew were down on their knees, I was like, right, I'm in. <laughs> this is going to be so fun. <laughs> and we had such a great time. So yeah, yeah, strongly recommend checking out the Brickman Expo. It was fun. Can you imagine yourself as a certified Lego master? Jo? Absolutely not. <laughs> I tried to create something. I was like, wow. This pales in comparison. This is like, this is awful. I'm going to put that away. I'm going to undo it and pretend that no child, that this is childlike, but the children are doing way better than me. So, yeah. <laughs> but I had a great time and that's what that's what it was about. <laughs> oh, that's great. I have seen one of his exhibitions in Sydney and have I you? also had the same experience. Yeah, just over overwhelmed and uh, loving it. So, yeah, um, so good. So good. Anyway, we should get onto the Bible. What have you been reading? I have been reading more Psalms Mm. and I thought I'd share with you and our listeners about Psalm 133, which I came across in my Bible reading this morning, Mm. uh, which is a lovely little Psalm, only three verses. Um, I'll read it to you. Uh, This is from my uh, CSB version. Um, How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. It is like fine oil on the head, running down on the beard, running down Aaron's beard onto his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon falling on the mountains of Zion, 
for there the Lord has appointed the blessing, life forevermore. Mm. Now, this psalm has a special place in my heart, Joe. Um, you'll never guess, but this, I, this was my very first sermon was preached on Psalm 133. No way. Way Aww. back in like 1994 or five or something mm-hmm. like that. And uh, I don't remember anything about the sermon. I don't think it was embarrassingly bad, but I'm, <laughs> it's probably, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm ha- glad it's lost from my hard drive. <laughs> I'm, I'm not able to find it. But uh, that, that aside, it is a wonderful psalm just for, and stands out just for that, um, the goodness of Christian unity mm. uh, there in verse one. Um, the simplicity of this psalm is, is beautiful. It's just mm. wonderful uh, to have harmony among Christian brothers or brothers and sisters. Mm. And um, a couple of metaphors there, mm. uh, the, the oil on the head running down the beard, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of distracting. What, what's going on there? Yeah. <laughs> like, oil on a beard, awkward. Well, no, you yeah. beard, you put oil on your beard, don't you? Yeah, we we don't do a lot of that sort of thing. But I'm, yeah. I'm picturing something very um, Hebrew there. With yeah, the olive oil and the the big Annoying beards and stuff, kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm rolling with it that this is this is positive. This is positive, yeah. <laughs> this is not. Look, onto his robes. I'm thinking this is a a, a laundry issue here, but it's, <laughs> it's not. It's this is something, you know, beautiful in the Hebrew worldview. Yes. And then view of Hermon. I had to look up Mount Hermon in the, in the New Bible Dictionary. Mm. And uh, Hermon's apparently a very tall mountain with off, nearly always snow on it uh, mm. up to the north of Hermon, uh, off to the north of Israel. And it's to be falling on the Mount of Zion. Zion is quite a dry region. So mm. uh, uh, it's saying like an unexpected um, yeah, blessing of dew and, and moisture and, yeah, uh, in in the dry area so wow oh that's beautiful i love that you've looked it up on the in the new bible dictionary it's such a helpful resource isn't it yeah yeah it's not hard to do for that yeah Mm. so the dew of Hermon were falling as if it was falling on mount zion it's a picture of kind of moisture in a place where it would otherwise be dry yeah it's refreshing it's life-giving okay so oh that's um, beautiful yeah i'm loving the harmony loving the unity and um i think yeah, pointing forward to perhaps the unity we have with Jesus and um, mm, mm. the uh, members of one body. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of great ways you could take this, but mm. um, yeah, wow, uh, that fits totally perfectly with what I have just been reading. It was Tony totally, oh, uh, was about to share. Um, fantastic! So I'm Go just going to get there because I'm so excited to share it. So, um, as people will have known, I've been reading through the book "Confronting Christianity" by Rebecca McLaughlin, and um, uh, there's a chapter that I started reading, and I thought, ah. Oh, oh, no, I don't really have any questions about this, which is doesn't Christianity crush diversity? I thought, no, mm. it doesn't. Um, but then as she got into this chapter, it, I was struck by the picture that as I read this chapter, I could not love God's design for the church anymore. It was so mm. good, this picture of unity. And she says the Christian movement was a multicultural and multi-ethnic movement from the outset. We must abandon this idea. It's an absurd idea that Christianity is Western. And she she goes deep into what the Bible says, but also history. So she explores things like the Iraqi church, the Iranian church, the Indian church, the Chinese church, and the South Korean church and mm-hmm. their history. So exploring the fact that as early as 8th century AD, there were Christians in China and there were Christians in India well before 
there was established Christianization in Britain. And so this this idea that Christianity came to the East from the West is actually a real misunderstanding of history. Yeah. But she you know, she doesn't shy away from acknowledging the wrongs done when people um use when Westerners abuse Christianity to crush other cultures. Like she does acknowledge that. But it's just this really interesting exploration. But the thing I loved most of all, and the thing I thought she did well, is that she explores the ethnic and socioeconomic diversity that's core to the ethics in the New Testament. So she yeah. starts with talking about Jesus in his teaching about the Good Samaritan, so a member of a hated ethno-religious group as the hero. His teaching the Samaritan woman and relating with her at the well and offering her living water. Jesus' command to make disciples of all nations in Matthew 28. Then in Acts 2, how the gospel goes out to mo- to many languages throughout modern day Iraq, Iran, etc. And mm. then she she reads, um, she quotes Galatians 3, and I'll just read Galatians 3 verse 28. Yeah. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And it, she, I just think she really showed me that this narrative in Western culture that Christianity, about Christianity and about it being so Western, it's about privilege, is really misunderstanding actually what's happening in the church at mm. the moment. Um, and so she says, the idea that Christianity is a diversity-resistant white Western religion of privilege is utterly re- irreconcilable with the New Testament. Mm. And it's a misunderstanding of what's happening currently that she even goes into exploring who is the most like what is the most predominant um, demographic of Christians in the US and it's actually um, women of color and so yeah I was just like oh my goodness this is so engaging and I finished the chapter and I just thought wow but the final thing that really struck my heart um she talks she she really pushes the idea that we actually need to fight racism in the church. Yeah. And she says this one sentence that I just couldn't help but write down for quoting. Forming bonds across differences is often hard, but it is it is as intrinsic to Christian community as singing. And I was just like, Whoa. a great quote. Yeah. I know. I I paused and I thought forming bonds across differences is hard but it's as intrinsic to Christian community as singing. That as much as we sing we also do that with people who are different from us and we seek to love anyone who God's put in our way because that's mm. God's design for the church. Unity. Yeah. Oh, it was amazing. So do you feeling excited by that or challenged by that? Both, or? both. Yeah. yeah. Excited to to now be fighting back against some of the false narratives around um, Western Christianity, excited to see the growth of the church. She, she explores church growth across the world and how actually the evangelical movement to evangelicalism across the South, global South and global East is exploding. So very exciting to see gospel work happening and growing, mm. but also really chastened to think that life at church should just be about me being comfortable, that actually I should be seeking bonds with people who are different from me as just a deep expression of the design God has made of the church and that Jesus has united us and so we are united across ethnic and socioeconomic boundaries. And so yeah. I was really, I was rebuked and it was good. Yeah. Mm. Oh, fantastic. Mm. Well, thanks to Rebecca McLaughlin for a, a yes. great chapter. Um, yeah, very So thankful. cool getting heaps out of that book. I'll certainly be adding it to my to-read list. Yeah, yeah. I've been tempted to rush because I look at the chapters and I think, oh, no, I know the answer to that. 
But every time I basically I'm listening and rewinding and listening again as I listen because I find her very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But we're nearly out of time, Richard, and I wanted to do a shout-out. I have been hearing some feedback from Barbara, who is down in Wollongong, who is also my MTS trainee's mum, and I am loving hearing (laughs) from you, Barbara. Thank you so much. She's been giving us feedback, Richard. I haven't actually um, yet um, forwarded it to you, so I'll do that this Arvo. But Mm. um, she just said she really was really thankful for the uh, mention of a prayer diary, and she was thankful for the – um, that as an idea about praying. And so, yeah, if you've got other email feedback, you could send it through to us at homegrownfaithpodcast at hunterbiblechurch.org. Yeah. No, mm. thanks, Barbara. That's fantastic. Mm. Um, mm. Love to hear from listeners. Mm. Yeah. But anyway, we're out of time. It's good to chat about um, <laughs> Lego and, oh, yeah. Christian farms. EDM. Christian and, EDM. And uh, <laughs> Christian unity uh, expressed across um any kind of racial divides yeah, as well. So, so good. Yeah, it's been a great conversation this morning, mm. Joe. And, uh, yeah, look forward to catching up next time. Sounds good. See you, brother. Bye.